Welcome to the Vlog Pastors Podcast, a podcast all about the stories and strategies of sharing God's love in the digital world. Now, here are two pastors that love to put a camera in their face and walk around in public. They are the Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble of Digital Ministry, Jared Brown and Joshua Verwers. Welcome to the Vlog Pastors Podcast, a podcast all again. about the stories and strategies of sharing God's love in the digital world. Whee! Now, here are two pastors that love to put a camera in their face. Welcome to the Vlog Pastors Podcast, a podcast all about. Welcome to the Vlog Pastors Podcast, a podcast all about the stories and strategies of sharing God's love in the digital world. Now, here are two pastors that love to put a camera in their face and walk around in public. They are the Lewis and Clark of Digital Ministry, Jared Brown and Joshua Verwers. <laughs> oh, hey everybody. Joshua Verwers here. The one laughing hysterically. This is the one and only Jared Brown. You have found yourself on a breakdown of Vlog Pastors podcast, episode number 27, where trying to produce a live stream video podcast uh, while having some type of a uh, sinus cold thing going on at the same time is proving to be more difficult than we otherwise thought. Oh. Uh, we were just talking about inception and and the quality of your productions and everything and oh just that was beautiful that was a intro inception it, it over, was it was like intro itself. and i got the little pinwheel of death that was rolling and then as soon as it selected it's like oh do you mean this video file it oh, automatically switched scenes and so it added the video to the wrong scene so then I had to reset that scene and then go back to the previous scene and then do it all over again. Um, however, fortunately, for those that are listening to the audio replay of this, you have no idea what's going on because I edited all of that out and you only got the original right as soon as it went. Um, hopefully. And if not, well, I'm it going to blame. cleaned out my sinuses. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to blame um, Ecamm for that one. Ecamm gets the blame. We just got through singing its praises. Oh, I love Ecamm, but it's still to blame for that because they don't have producer mode yet. Coming soon. But it is coming soon. And once they it's, do that... It's in rut. It, yes, it is in rut. Um, and when they get here, <laughs> then we will be good to go. And if you guys are listening to us and thinking, man, I know I'm missing something. It feels like there's an inside joke going on. You are absolutely right. There is an inside joke. That's why you need to check us out as soon as we go live Thursday mornings, somewhere between 1030 and sometime over on youtube.com forward slash Joshua Verwers. And you can catch us live and see what's going on and see all the shenanigans and hijinks and how we like to talk about stepping in manure. Oh, man. Speaking oh, of stepping man. in manure. Today's episode, we are talking about pastors, politics, and social media. Stepping yeah. in manure. I did it. <laughs> I did it. He's laughing because he's referencing a, a video that I put up today where I tried to tackle that whole conversation of should pastors have an opinion. And the reason I made that video is because I was looking around on social media and I was thinking, man, that's that's like that is so taboo because the minute you think, 
oh man, I need to pray for the, this this election. I need to see what the will of God is for it. You hear the bombarding of, which you're hearing it today. Hey, don't worry, brother. Don't worry, sister. God's in control. No matter what, I mean, whatever party you're for, God's in control. Jesus is on his throne. Blah blah blah. All that stuff. Which is that? Sorry, that's not blah blah blah. <laughs> that is true. That that is essential and key to us. Yes and amen. But yeah. I got to thinking, what happens if if Joshua takes a, Joshua takes a stand and says, look. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the ins and outs of it. Let's let's go into this. And uh, that would be so incredibly taboo. Everyone would have an opinion. And I'm watching these two pieces, fragments of the church kind of polarize themselves into you need to keep it separate and not have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Or y- you need to, you know, choke the world with it. It's, right. Uh, I think it's a lot – Um, and this is coming from a lot of personal experience for those that don't know here in Iowa, I have been heavily involved in politics for about the last 12 years. Um, I think it was about the 2008, uh, election cycle. I got super involved, uh, ran one of our, uh, central committees was leading that as a president have been to the caucuses have been to the conventions, um, met shaken hands, prayed for, most of the presidential candidates that come through here. Um, so I've, I've definitely been in it. I've been, had my name thrown around in some of the national media because of that. Uh, and how I just kind of confront these candidates, uh, a couple Texas people, uh, in particular, you know, uh, uh Rick Perry and Ted Cruz have oh, come on my they... radar a couple different times. And I've just <laughs> talked to them, um, about different things and prayed with them when I get the opportunity to, so I'm, I'm definitely involved and I'm going to speak on this kind of from a personal experience of stepping in it a lot, but Jared, <laughs> you're, you're spot on. There are these two camps of, we should have an opinion, but we should keep our opinions to ourselves as pastors, or we should really be preaching in this political realm as often as we can. And I've kind of come to a place in the middle ground a place that I think we ought to be sharing our opinions, but we need to use wisdom in how we share it and make sure that if we're sharing an opinion, everybody knows it's an opinion and don't share an opinion as fact as the gospel. But yes, obviously share the gospel. And it's, I think there's a balance. I think there's a thin line in there. You know, as we were talking, there's a thin line between faith and foolishness. I would say a lot of people that when they first, especially in Christian circles, when they start getting into the political realm, they're operating in more foolishness than they are faith. And those that don't get in it are operating in more foolishness than faith because they're not even confronting the aspect. And I do believe we should. I believe that we as ministers of the gospel are supposed to speak the truth in love in every capacity of society and culture. There's, there's nothing off limits and the whole concept of the separation in church and state as Jared so eloquently put in his vlog today, uh, did Jesus enact that or did we, and it was like, boom, mic drop right there. Yeah. I, I which I love cause I hear it all the time about uh, how you give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And I'm like, that is not the context in which <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's, that doesn't apply here. I, yeah. it's, it's such a fascinating deal, man. Um, it's 
I get our opinions and whatnot, but there there are certain stands that you know the the church. We are who we are. Uh, yep. We follow who we follow, and he has certain opinions on things. And I think we are to speak up from time to time. And it's fascinating when you you'll have another pastor. Uh, which my feed now, thank you, vlog pastors, is full of pastors with opinions. Yep. And they'll, they'll weigh in and they'll say, uh, you know, what business does the kingdom have in politics? And it's like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. We actually have we, – we have a say in establishing a government that rules yep. over an entire nation. We uh, uh, believers out there get to – in agreement with what they're hearing, with the with sound biblical principles, with the unction and leading of the Lord, we get to lay down and cast our vote for who we feel like God is. Yeah, that whole thing, yeah. and it's like, how amazing is that? What business does the kingdom have in well, politics? And those politicians, certain ones, they're being led by the same Savior, by the same God. Yeah. And so here's something Bananas. that uh, I'll just throw out a couple things that I've learned <laughs> over the years uh, in doing this. And actually, I've got a book right down here that. Uh, it's Politics According to the Bible by uh, Wayne Grudem. And great book. Highly recommend Christians to do it. I don't agree with everything the guy comes down and on theologically. The vast majority that's in that book, it's amazing. Uh, really good book. So I do recommend it, especially like issue driven. It will line up the issues with the scripture and tell you kind of where God stands on these things. Uh, so if you're an issues voter, definitely something you want to get. For me, when people have said, you know, what, what, place does, you know, the church have in politics? It really comes down to the great commission. And this is something I really encourage people to do. Go study your Greek, go study the Hebrew, go study the Aramaic. When Jesus says, go into all the world, one of the most accurate translations of that word world is actually world systems. Mm -hmm. And there is a political system. And so any system we should be involved in, and we should be preaching the gospel to that. Do I believe that the church should be leading government? No. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, why would God have created government? I mean, he just yeah. would have said, oh, it's just the church. And especially in this nation, we got away from that, which is kind of where that separation of church and state goes. To me, when I read Romans 13, I see it as simple as this. The church has a job to... Leaven. To leaven. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at, okay, government and church kind of talked about Romans 13, a back and forth of what they're supposed to do. The church is supposed to do the good and deter the evil, do and deter. So do good, deter evil. The government, on the other hand, is supposed to promote good and punish evil. The government's job is not to actually do the good. It's to promote the good. It's to incentivize the good. It's to say, hey, If you do this, which is a good thing, and we heard about this good thing because the church was teaching sound teaching about it, what we're going to do is we're going to incentivize it by creating a tax break, whatever. Now do more of this. We want to help you do that. We want to promote this. But then the church should never be punishing evil. The church should be declaring and deterring evil. If you do this, watch out for God's righteousness, which comes in the form of government, which is going to punish you. And then the government is supposed to then actually enact that punishment. And so there's this, this boundary that's there that I think a lot of people miss. And I think a lot of times we even see churches in this day and age that they're trying to just promote good, but they're not actually doing any good, which means they're operating more like a government than they are the church. And then we see the church because they're not actually doing government. There's this vacuum 
that all of a sudden the government's like, oh, well, if the church isn't going to do it, we're going to do it. Mm. And then they're out of order as well. So there's, there's that kind of concept. And then even let's, let's even remove that. Let's remove scriptural exegesis from this, where I'm trying to break down the words and things. United States of America, this context that you and I are talking about it. You're in Texas. I'm in Iowa. Both our countries or both our states of these United States of America. Mm Mm-hmm. Based on that, we have to realize that in the United States of America, what we have is a representative Republican form of government, not Republican as in the party, but Republican as in this is not a democracy, which is just majority rules. It is a Republic, which is a foundation. It is a government based on law, which our founders actually said it's the Supreme law. And so we're based on that law. But it's a representative form of government, which means we are electing people to represent us. So if I am a Christian, what form of Christianity should be in the government? The kind that represents me. I'm trying to select somebody to go lead as I would lead. They're on my behalf. It's also why I kind of endorse them and vote for them because I want them to be my representative. That is the main reason why we as Christians, we as pastors should be involved in that political sphere. And also why I believe we as pastors and Christians should be sharing why we're doing certain things and what we believe and who we're wanting to help represent us without fear that by saying it and declaring it, people are going to hate us or unfriend us or unsubscribe from our channels, which it's going to be fun to see how many people, if they do that. But like I was telling you, if they do unsubscribe, well, thank God, (laughs) because obviously they don't understand your heart. They don't understand your motives. And I think this is also part of the problem when we as Christians start to get involved in the political sphere on social media we're not actually taking the time to listen to people that have a different outcome than what we do. We don't want to know what their motivation is for that outcome. Oh, well, I'm going to vote Republican. So anybody that votes Democrat, I'm just not going to listen to them. I'm going to vote Democrat. So anybody that votes Republican, I'm not going to listen to them. Mm -hmm. That guy's going to vote independent. Well, none of us are going to listen to him. And we base it on the outcome rather than, you know, the, the motivation beyond that and what led us to that outcome. And I think that's an important thing for us to have discussions about because that is where God really starts to do the work. He's always in the business of changing our motives and changing our hearts. And so when we can have these conversations about, you know, I really feel like I need to vote for this person. Okay. Well, why, what led you to that? And especially from a Christian perspective, as a Christian, What led you that way? As somebody who is supposed to be led by Christ, to be a follower of Christ, what part of Christ's life led you to vote for Donald Trump? What vote led you to vote for Joe Biden? What led you to vote for Kanye West? Tell me. And I think those are the things that all of a sudden we can start to find the commonality because a lot of those people that would vote for any of those three candidates and others that are Christians, and I know Christians that have voted for all three, Based on that, when you start to have these conversations of asking him the motivation, wait, 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 time out. I, gospel. I know you're in. I know you're in the meat and taters of this, but you know people who voted for Kanye. 
Mm-hmm. You're looking at one. You voted for Kanye West. I voted for Kanye West. And for those of you that can't see, Jared is now unplugging his camera and he is leaving. No, I'm j- <laughs> no that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to, are you serious? Like, are you? Here are is you how thinking? serious I am. I was in the voting booth and they said we could take selfies in there as long as we didn't disrupt anybody else. So what I did is I took a photo of my ballot because I figured people aren't Let's actually going to believe me. Somebody check this. And do you see... Overexposed. No. You, you see here. Come I, on, bring I, it down. Bring it down. I need I need legitimate proof of this. How do I take a picture of this screen? There screen you go. Picture? Oh, just go <laughs> check my Instagram story. I posted it. Okay. Explain to me your thinking on this. Yep. So here's where we're going to get into this. I think there are... Two, again, this is my opinion. I think there are two Christ-like approaches to voting. You either vote based on the character of the individual. Okay. Or you vote based on the issues that matter. Either issue-driven, either character-driven. And then, based on that, those are two premises. And so, based on those premises... You can't tell somebody that is voting issue driven how to vote for a character when they're focused on the issues. It just doesn't work because the foundation is completely different. And you can't tell somebody who's voting on basing on the character how to vote for the issues because it doesn't work. So that is ultimately up to, I think, the individual and really where they're being led. And I've done both. I voted for the character, I voted for the issues. At different times and at different seasons, God puts a different importance on certain things. I used to be very much issue driven, but then it got to a point where me looking at representation, I'm realizing there are issues that are coming up left and right that I haven't thoroughly studied out. So I don't even know where I would fall on these issues yet because I haven't taken the time to study the word and how it comes in. So if I'm going to have somebody represent me, I think I would want somebody that is just trying their best to do whatever God would want him to do. And then it becomes, I'm looking for the character of the individual. So that's kind of how I come about this. Based on that, if I'm looking at who has more of a Christ-like character, in my opinion, it's Kanye West over Donald Trump and over Joe Biden and all of the others. So that's kind of where I came in on that. I was looking at the character and the biggest Christ-like character that I'm looking for is humility, repentance. You you chose Kanye West for this. Humility. I got you. Repentance and focusing God first. So, and that's the thing. It's like Kanye three years ago, he said he was God. <laughs> so that wouldn't have worked. So like when when Kanye said back in 2015 that he was going to run in 2020, I'm like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Uh ain't no way, not going to happen. In the last year, Kanye has shown me a lot of that repentant nature, talking about his need for forgiveness, talking about the things that he's done wrong, and even currently when he still st- makes a mistake and he says something wrong, he then he's like 
Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> to me, that's a humility. It's, it's sitting there and saying, I haven't perfected it. I haven't got it right, but I'm trying. I don't see that character in Donald Trump. If I was voting based on the issues, here's where it gets tricky. What issues matter more to me? If I vote on the issue of life, no question, Donald Trump is the vote. You, you vote for him because you say all life is precious from the moment of conception to natural death across the board. If that's the issue, which is an issue that matters to God so much, God's word is clear, cut, and precise on it. And that would lead you to a Donald Trump vote, which is why Christians that vote on that and that's their, their issue. I'm like, amen. That's, that's the best choice with given what you've got. Go for it. But I also know Democrat Christians that they vote for Joe Biden. And when I ask why, because I believe that one of the biggest responsibilities for us as Christians is to take care of the widows and to take care of the orphans, to provide that welfare for them. And I don't see that from the other candidates, but I do see it from them. And they would then agree, you know what? Joe Biden's character and his personality is not the greatest at all. But what he's trying to do on this issue lines up more with what they believe is the issue. From that perspective, I get it. I understand it. I don't think that's the most important issue, but that's a completely different bait, debate at that point. And so that's where I think there's this, there's the character aspect and then there's the issues aspect. And it can, I mean, then the waters just get super muddy. But at the same time, if I were just to sit there and say, anybody who didn't vote the way that I did, which would be what, like 99.9% .9 of the country, oh, yeah. you're Easily. all wrong. <laughs> it's like, so for me, my, my vote, yes, my vote matters, but my vote matters more to my relationship with God than it does the outcome of a presidential election. I okay. know that God can use anybody. I mean, God can use a donkey to get his point across. That wasn't a jab at the Democrats. That could be either or, quite <laughs> frankly. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, he can use anybody to do anything. So for me, it's more about my obedience and just what has God called me to? And how do I feel like God is leading me in this moment? And that's that, that thing where I think we could have more actual dialogue and conversation with individuals to open up some of the perspectives and, and the reasoning why we do what we do, which would essentially help all of us grow into a more mature Christian. Mm. But that requires us to come with a humility in ourselves of saying, you know what? There's a good chance by me having this conversation with somebody, they're going to be on the opposite end of me or a different end of me coming to a different conclusion. And that can be okay. As long as, as Christians, first and foremost, they're trying to honor God in whatever they do, because that should ultimately be our goal. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that, that God can use uh, one key point that I want to pull out from what you were talking about yeah. is God can use anybody to do anything. So for me, as a pastor looking at it, you know, I, I believe in a big God, really a, a big sovereign God who allows infinite possibilities. You know, you can free will yourself it, it, till to oblivion. He's still mm -hmm. going to get what he wants to get. Absolutely. Uh, 
in in the end. So we have a very large God. So in that, he's going to choose someone to do something. Like he already knows who the ruler, uh, our nation's ruler, ruling party, whatever, will be. And uh, that's that's fascinating to watch because he can use anybody to do anything. So what is he trying to communicate? And for me, I guess I'm a, a heavy issues, uh, mm-hmm. heavy character. Yep. But in elections. You kind of have to throw some of that, from my perspective, out the window, because how much do I know about Kanye West's personal life, how he treats his family and his right. kids, or Joe Jorgensen's? I don't know anything about Joe Jorgensen, really. I know yeah. that that's a that's an option on the ticket. I know that a lot of people went there with their votes. Mm-hmm. You know, how much do I know about um, Joe Biden's faith? I don't I don't know much about Joe Joe Biden's faith, right. a- and those are things that. I won't be able to find out about the character of the man. I can hear from all of the news outlets, yep. depending on your bias, you know, uh, Donald Trump is the Antichrist and he's a liar <laughs> and he's a blowhard and blah, blah, blah. Or, or he's I can the tell, prophetic savior for this day and age. Or or he's, uh, um, help me out, help me out. He's Cyrus or he's, he has the Cyrus yep. anointing that rests upon yep. him. Uh, I've also heard the same thing, not the Cyrus part, but I've heard the same thing about Joe Biden. He's either the Antichrist or he's the savior, depending upon uh, how people look at it. But what I will say being so that which forces me into what restricts the church if i have a choice in this election uh, i think about it from a perspective of what restricts my family and what are those key issues if you will uh that i can't look past since i can't really know their true character we're not friends we don't hang out i don't get to see the inside of their life right. as a matter of fact if, if i'm going to do a little disclosure uh hanging out with the people in my congregation nobody's perfect if you want to oh, hang yeah, out with yeah. me I've got some issues that God's still working on. And I'm I not perfect. I just be... voted for Kanye West. So, Well, I mean, depending on your interpretation <laughs> of how I'm, I'm about to talk about this, I'm either, you know, I'm in the Antichrist camp, I'm, I'm a blasphemer, or, you know, because politics has taken this role in our lives. It's, it's not. But what restricts yeah. my family and what restricts my church? What restricts the move of God? And whenever I look at that, I see certain attacks from and, – and to me, there's two options until a third party is developed. Yep. There's two options, and I want my, my vote to count. I've never seen our country quite so divided. I know – maybe we're doing a better job – this is a different conversation. Maybe we're doing a better job of accounting of votes this time around, or maybe, maybe we're really <laughs> not doing a better job of accounting yeah. for votes this time around. But either way, I mean we're talking tens of thousands of votes some places that are deciding this thing. And uh, we we very much are are divisive uh, divided yeah. on this issue. So what what two parties of those two choices for me? Who limits my freedoms the least? Correct. And um, as as the church, thank you from the church's perspective. Yep. And I, I just got to say, you know, with Donald Trump, he's he's leaning into prayer, having uh, yep. pastors come and pray over him, gathering in rallies. Uh, he had a debacle about walking to church and throwing his Bible up as a as a uh, yeah, you know, there's certain pieces of that where you're like, what's what's he what's he doing? But he's open to the idea of the church having a say, not controlling and running things. If you ever tried to control and run Donald Trump, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't think that right. dude. But having a like say, like cats, exactly. Uh, having a say in, hey, let's let's relook at this abortion issue. And yep. I know it comes up, and it's everybody Christian. You're going to vote Republican every time. It's a huge, huge deal. Right on our watch, millions of children are being murdered. Yep. 
It is what it is. I'm not saying, you know, we got forgiveness. There's all sorts of stuff in there. I'm not talking about the individual. I'm saying on our watch as a nation, we are we are sacrificing a lot of babies. Absolutely. We are, we're, we're, come on. And that, that cannot be a thing on our watch we, if we just sit there and let that go by. Yeah. So to put a vote down, if there was one issue, it would be that one. But there are so many more as far as like uh, marriage stuff, uh, morality. Um, those things are not shifting for the church. What God says is what what God says. Does that mean that we don't we don't love and we don't and welcome in and and pray for a change and a greater outcome, a greater perspective on what's going on? That's that's what we do. But there is a forcing of 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 genders that no nobody asked for. Correct. I, nobody no nobody said, "Hey, I got an idea. I would <laughs> like I would like boys to play on girls' uh, soccer teams." I would like right. girls to play on boys' fo- soccer team or football teams, and yep. they have to be there and they have to be represented by a certain thing because our law says so. And that's what we're that's what we're seeing pushed. Or uh, if you saw the debate a couple of weeks ago, it was a not really a debate. What do they call it? it was a town hall where where Joe Biden's sitting there. A mom gets up and she says, "My eight year old daughter or son, whichever one I can't remember the the gender specific, yep. they're wanting to transition. They're eight. Yeah, eight. Right. And and." Joe says we need to we need to support that. If there's an eight year old, we need to make sure that the legislation's in place that the eight year old once they want to make that decision can transition. At eight, true. At eight. Yep. Now and here, we're still under parental care. Yes. So there's all sorts of crazy pants stuff going on there. So we're going to restrict. We're now we're stepping into families to say who can and can't. As, Correct. Okay. Which, in my opinion, and not even my opinion, biblically. Family is the first form of government that on, God man. ever created. And everything else in this world is really supposed to reflect that. Why? Because that's the perfect reflection of God's character in this world anyways. Yeah. So 100% agree with everything you're saying on there. And that is actually why I have in recent years shifted from being issue focused to character focused because there are new issues that are popping up left and right that most politicians have never researched, have never looked into and don't even know where to start other than to look towards their party and whatever the majority says, they're just going to go that way. And, and that's kind of where I come in where it's like, if I were to select the best individual to represent me, I want somebody that when something pops up, when they've thought one way, they start to rethink, but how does God want me to think in this situation? What does God have to say about this? And maybe I need to reevaluate it. Uh, and that, and that's it. Now, this has also come from a place of being in Iowa. We're the first in the nation caucus. We get every single presidential candidate coming to this state before they have ever actually gotten a nomination they're coming we get one year off if that it's actually more like nine months <laughs> so no joke september of this next year of 2021 presidential candidates are going to start coming in why because they're going to gear up for the 2024 elections and they know they need to start putting in the work they need to start getting the teams in place because they want the momentum coming out of iowa and that's what they're looking for and that's how they do it because of that, and Iowa being geographically small in size, it is easy for these candidates to come to Iowa and 
basically run what we call the full Grassley, which is one of our senators. They visit all 99 counties and they go everywhere. So everybody has a chance to see them. We've got that access and we get to ask them questions. We get to talk to them. We get to shake their hands. We get to pray with them. Like if you ever want to just go down the rabbit trail sometime, just type in like Joshua Verwers and politics and you'll see news reports that come up of one of two things doing it. Either me man streaks across yard and rebellion. No, <laughs> not that it's either me with Rick Perry or me with Ted Cruz. Um, or you might get me with M- Michelle Bachman. It's one of those three that really pop up. And the Rick Perry thing was I ran into Rick Perry up in Des Moines. There was a, a thing there. I had heard his stance on abortion, but it was confusing. Some people said he was pro-life. Some said he was pro-choice. Some said he was life with exceptions, which to me is pro-choice with fewer exceptions. And I went straight up to him and I was like, Hey, governor Perry got a question for you. And he's like, sure. And I was like, uh, abortion, where do you stand? And he's like, I believe in the life with the exceptions of rape, incest, and the life and health of the mother. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, so you're in other words, pro-choice. And he had this deer in the headlights look on him like, what? Now, then it was like two, three weeks later, I heard the report that he had walked that back. He happens to be here in my hometown, like five blocks north of me. I went out there, raised my hand, got another question. And I was like, hey, so I talked to you about a month ago and you said this. Now you're saying this. Were you lying then or are you lying now? Or is there another option that I don't know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, actually, it's neither. I wasn't lying. I have changed my stance because of, and he shared his journey about remeeting. I think it was Rebecca Kisslinger, where she is a product of rape. And she had basically walked up to him after the initial conversation he and I had. And she's like, okay, so if you believe in the exceptions for rape, then you say my life doesn't have any value. Hmm. And he right in front of us said immediately, God worked on me. He broke my heart down. I couldn't help it. I had a, a change, a complete change of heart. I was transformed in that moment and I can't stand for it. So at that point we get this access and I'm able to then sit there. And I saw his character at that point. This was a man that maybe wasn't pursuing what God wanted in every area. But when he had that Damascus meeting, that little come to Jesus meeting, all of a sudden it's like, all right, this is what you want. God, no problem. That was kind of the moment where I was very heavy into the issues. We fast forward, and I think that was the 2012 um, presidential cycle. We get to 2016, and now we've got a whole slew of candidates out there. And there are a lot of, in my opinion, godly Christians that are running. So then it was like, well, how do I determine from all of these different ones? And that's where I started to look at their character. And it led me to this case of really finding even Ted Cruz at that point and just realizing, okay, this is a guy that's constantly searching after, um, the scriptures, maybe not always getting it right, but at least that was his pursuit. And it was like, all right, I can see that. And I can kind of work with that. And there have been other candidates along the way that have done the same thing. But again, issues driven. I don't have, I have no problem with Christians that are voting issues driven. I right, think because it's most a of, valid way of doing it. I think right. it's, it's a really good way of doing it. 
Um, Most folks don't have the access that you do to look in and ask the direct questions of exactly. I want to know, I want to know where you stand on this issue because yeah. we we see the the publicized version the PC politically correct we're going to ask you such and such and they barely yep. touch on it and then jump off real quick because it's a divisive issue or yeah. whatever and and here in Iowa because we have that access there is no celebrity status it's like no you put your pants on the same way that we do one leg at a mm. time I haven't seen any of you try to jump in both legs first so mm-hmm. you're not that special. Uh, and it's just like, we're going to ask you these hard questions that matter to us. And we're going to press you on the issues. And we're going to keep pressing you on the issues because we want to st- see whether or not you'll actually stand up to the pressure. You you got to love, I, I know you said you're kind of backing out from all of that, but you got to love people like you, Joshua, in Iowa. Thank you for doing what you yeah. do and your time of service because I think I would be a little a little shell-shocked if I'm as close as you're getting to people who lead the free world. I don't know if um, I don't know if you've seen that. I, I can't remember what TV show it's from, but it's like basically the, the character says, I get a little weirded out whenever I get that close to them because it's like I shouldn't know this much about – I shouldn't right. know this much about you. You're supposed to be perfect or you're supposed to be unmovable on certain things. I shouldn't know that your tie's on crooked. Yeah. I shouldn't know that you stutter over your sentences whenever you're not perfectly polished on a teleprompter. You want to know how, how much access we have to these? I know that Ted Cruz's favorite My Little Pony is Applejack. <laughs> it's just relentless questions. <laughs> no, that was that was us just meeting him and Reagan oh. had her Rainbow Dash headwear on. And so instead of talking politics, he just struck up a conversation with an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old at the time, whatever she was, about My Little Pony. Which, again, talking about character, that sold me on the character because this is a guy that realizes in this moment, family comes first. And he didn't want to just talk to the parents about the issues. He wanted to talk to the kids about what mattered to them, cartoons. (laughs) And it was like, man, at that moment, you start to see these things. And, And that's where I realized not everybody has this access. And it's hard to find trusted voices out there as well. Because you even get the Iowans or, you know, different states that do have the early primaries and they're able to get a little bit more access. You start to wonder whose voice can I trust? Let me let me put that into into practice right here, right now. Yeah. I'm I'm pausing because I'm 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 weighing the integrity of our relationship. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and bring I, it. I I know I know we're good, but I know your heart. You know my heart. I think we'll be good. So, would there be any scenario in this election when you where you would have voted for President Biden, potential President Biden? I don't know if they've called that yet or not. Would Which there have been a scenario? Hmm. Based on the current status of me looking for character and Christ-like character, no. I would have written in somebody. I would have written in myself first. So uh, character's out. Uh, what about what about issues? If I was going on issues, would I have, given the current crop of candidates, no. If there wasn't a single candidate out there that actually supported life, because when it comes to the issues, life is my number one issue. No, I, yeah. There's there's no wavering on that for me. And even if I find somebody who has a Christ-like character, I'm then looking at that. And if I'm seeing something different, I'm I'm struggling. 
Well, here's um, it, I, I love I, I love facets of the Democratic Party. I can't say that I'm 100% Republican, 100% Democrat, 100% yep. Libertarian. There's there's smatterings that I love there, and there are parts parts and portions of the Democratic Party that are they're phenomenal. Like yeah. they're pushing in some areas that are awesome. It's just I, I want to encourage those of you who are Democrats and watching. That is a massive thing that is near impossible for some people to get over. That is that's not so, and I would and I would understand and I'm gonna and I am one of them. I will defend until the cows come home. That is gonna be an issue. That's is gonna be a divisive. Uh, it is, it's, and we can't it's going just relegate to be... it to not talking about it anymore. It doesn't exist. It is a thing. So Correct. fix the party's stance on it. Yep, and and the only thing that I can come down with on, like I, I've got. I've got friends who are Democrats and vote Democrat and I get it. And they are 100% staunch pro-life and they come down on this place of Roe versus Wade in this nation kind of settled things. And until we can get rid of that, it's not going to matter. And then they just go back and forth. How do we even get rid of that? What would we have to do a constitutional amendment? Um, now, me personally, I think all you need to do is get some Supreme Court justices that actually can read the Constitution, because if they read the Constitution as it is, looking at the Fourth Amendment, looking at the 14th Amendment, they will see that even in our Constitution currently, there is a difference between the classification of a person and a clarification on a person born. So Fourth Amendment guarantees all life. Fourteenth Amendment is the voting rights, and it says all persons born. So there's already the clarification the in there in the Constitution, but nobody's looking at it. Well, very few people are looking at it. Um, and then those people in that that state. I understand where Democrats come in and they say, hey, I'm 100% pro-life. I believe in life from the moment of conception till natural death and that we should be protecting all life. But that issue is, it's already been decided. And without divine intervention, it's not going to get changed. So I table that one because that's not a battle we can actually fight right now. And they want to fight the battles that we can. I get where they're coming from. I don't necessarily agree with the approach, but sure. I at least get where they're coming from. I, sure. I, I understand it. It's like, and that's the thing with the, the two parties, neither party is God's party because oh both parties have a lot <laughs> yeah. of issues wrong with it. <laughs> Oh my. And, yeah. and that's, that's one of those things is that I think each individual, especially each individual Christian needs to be looking at that. What I would recommend more pastors do is really what you and I are doing, having a conversation, an authentic conversation where we, we don't care about the repercussions. If you want to defriend me, if you want to unsubscribe with me, sure. Deuces. Have a good one. Peace out. Life's been good. It's still going to be good. So I think those genuine, those real conversations that we can have actually provides an inclusive moment for people from all different sides and parties, but identify primarily with being Christians to come and listen and sit yeah. there and say, you know, I guess I've always looked at the Republican party as the one who are kind of holding down the lower class and they're, they're not giving the opportunities to the widows and the orphans and they don't care about welfare. And because of that, I don't want to go with that party, but I've never looked at them as being the ones that stand for life and stand for marriage 
which is really the essence of family that God wants us all to have. Mm-hmm. And they've never looked at that approach. And I think there's also a case that Republicans on the same bat. I've always looked at the Democrats of wanting to, you know, hinder us and not give us the the ability to actually be prosperous like God wants us to prosper and be in health. And they, they want to control things. But I've never looked at the Democrat Party as the ones actually being willing to do more for those who are disenfranchised, for the widows and for the orphans. And I think if we start to have those conversations coming from a Christ-like perspective, we start to see more like how God sees with all of the intricacies of there and how we're each different and we've got different priorities. We're all on these different faith journeys. And so where I'm at is not where you're at or where somebody else is at. And we start to see how God is working through them. And that can help us to then become the voice of really then stepping up as Christians, getting involved in the system and then changing the parties from within. Yeah. Or starting a third one altogether. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Yes. Yes. And amen. Uh, I will say Caveat? I started, I started this. Well, I, start, I started this train of thought and it's, it's common amongst a, a lot of believers uh, that doesn't mean it's right, but it's it is definitely an observation of what God is doing. You said um, neither party is is God's party, and I pfft, I was laughing because that's so true. They all have intense flaws. I mean, it's like yeah. If I could equate it back, it would be and this is a stretch, but just work with me. It would be like uh, looking to the line of Cain for <laughs> spiritual inspiration. That's not his job. You know, yes. like you were saying earlier, it's his job to yes. rule and to govern and whatnot. And it's mm. Seth's job to hear from the Lord, to worship, to make melody, to interact and, and bring in that revelation type of thing. And uh, I've really been digging around in that. Like, you know, if my people, the church, because we obviously live in a divided and broken land, I think we're, I think that's fair to say at this point. Yeah. We have some severe issues and some almost well, we like we live in a so fallen in, and broken world. So true. But I don't think it's ever been quite as as tangible in the United States as it is right now. I mean, we've been pretty united. I mean, there's been some, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s that were a little weird, uh, and we obviously are crescendoing up to something. But there were a couple of times where we were we were we were one when we made this thing. We were we were one. We've always had our different thinkings, and we're pushing towards a common goal. But this is more like melt it down, start over type territory where, you know, you're, you're a Democrat, I'm Republican, and I'm not even going to listen like we were talking about before. I'm not even going to listen to your views and you're not even going to listen to mine. And while I, I do want us to come back to center, I wonder, I wonder if certain times like this, no matter who gets elected, what is God saying in it? You know, what, what is he giving us that will bring us back towards unity, that will bring us back towards dependence upon yeah. him? Because I know many in my crew who, when President Obama was elected, mm-hmm. went nuts <laughs> because that was the worst thing that could have ever happened uh, yeah. to Christianity. And I'll tell you what, I, I know Christianity thrives in persecution, but like it was one of the best things for the church ever in this nation to go, oh, Okay, we need to pray. We need to seek God and and His desires. And I'm not saying He was a bad or good. I I I enjoyed Him. I know there's a bunch of stuff that that was negative. I enjoyed His His positive message of hope. Um, but all that being said, what is the Lord saying? And I, I feel like it's a little bit 
amped up this time around because you do get this dualistic i think trey van camp was talking about it you do get this dualistic viewpoint Mm -hmm. and and no condemnation for anybody who voted democrat but it does seem like the stakes are are you headed towards judeo-christian family right yahweh god (laughs) you know like i can understand where that thinking comes from or have you are, are you going into a much more liberal viewpoint of it all, you know, whatever, say la vie, yeah. but we're gods in our own mind kind of a thing. Are, are we going to uh, worship God or are we going to erect golden calves? Ex- exactly. And so God is still in control no matter who, you know, who's elected. But I, yeah. it, it, does, it does make a statement. And that's why I, just to encourage the, the believers who are listening on this, this stream, just to encourage no matter who – who wins the moment that like the stages of how this progresses? I mean, we have a, we have a say before we voted. We are voting for uh, Joe Biden. We are voting for Donald Trump because we feel like that is the man that God has, and, and we are going to pray and we're going to back him. And then there's like this this time right now where the 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 votes have been cast, and it's like God give us give us who you desire, who you require for, for the blessing of your church and for the expansion of the kingdom upon this earth and for good government and just rule. Yep. Yeah, yes and amen. And then it it shifts over whoever wins tomorrow or <laughs> nine months down the road when Pennsylvania gets their act together. Uh, whoever wins <laughs> January twentieth on inauguration day. I'm so yeah. that's a whole vent session right there in yeah. itself of itself. I'm so frustrated with Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, and Georgia. Come on, guys. I feel like you're being a bunch of divas right now, holding out for attention or something. But get it done. Wrap this thing up. Anywho, the point being, <laughs> once that is decided. Here we go. Like, yeah. okay, it's Biden. Okay, it's Trump. Let's do this thing. Right. And the to me, and I'm going to go a little bit far into my territory. I'm get super vulnerable with you. It shows us is God is God disciplining us? Is He bringing us into repentance to to refine and and teach things to His church, or is He providing uh, an, another level of protection and expanse? What season are we in? Because if we're in a pruning, uh, narrowing down, getting deeper in relation, like COVID thing, back into house cell churches, you know, going out into the world yep. type of deal. That tells us what season we're in. It's a little different one if masks and COVID and stuff like that kind of just lets it run and the church yep. comes back out. It's, it's, where are we? Yeah. I think it says a lot. And it, it doubles down on if my people, my people, are called by my name will humble themselves and pray i will heal from heaven and i will heal heal i can never get that heal their land yep that well, means there's also the prayers, seeking of his face and turning from the wicked ways that means that your prayers your repentance matters it does it's order i mean like that's it. it didn't say if joe biden or because right. i don't know i don't know his beliefs well i can't say her name if mrs harris Correct. senator harris would humble herself and pray no, it's if my people who are called by my name, it is exactly. Christians. We're, we're called by his name. Effect. I mean, it has a huge effect on the, on the future yep. of our nation. So, so either way, going awesome. back on this, you were saying, I don't know if the nation has ever been this divided. I would say, uh, <laughs> 150 years ago, we had a civil war. Sorry. Yes. Uh, fair. Uh, and, but here's the thing. There is such a parallel in that time and this time. But at the essence of the civil war, it wasn't even about 
I mean, at the the very essence, and please, I, I hope yeah, people. No, no, I hear you. I, I hear you. I hope people that are listening to this hear the heart that is coming through because I'm about to say something that it's could true. be very dangerous for me to say. The Civil War, at its essence, wasn't even about racism. It wasn't even about slavery. That's at its true. essence, is it was about the value of human life and how God defines human life. And nothing changed. Let me put it this way. Nothing started to change until we actually fought for that. And that required his people seeking his face, humbling themselves, praying and turning from their wicked ways that then God was to start and able to start the healing. But we haven't been healed yet. It's still not happened. And I think it's because we started to turn back towards our wicked ways. We just went from devaluing one race of humanity to now devaluing another segment of humanity. And now we just devalue those that don't breathe oxygen from outside of the womb. And that's the ones that we start to devalue or we start to devalue you know, those that are elderly and they can't really contribute to society. So let's euthanize them. Um, that's where there's this, this same devaluing of the sanctity of life that God believes. I mean, he is the author, creator and finisher of life. I mean, the, the, the first thing he does is he breathes life in him is life. He is the way, the truth and the life. And I think because of that, it is the number one issue that needs to be addressed. But I also can sit there and look at this over humanity in general. And we have had a problem with life from Genesis till now. And we keep coming through this same cycle of apostasy where we keep falling back to our wicked ways of valuing our life more than somebody else's life. But it's always in new manners. Uh, And that's where I think regardless of the party, they have an option to really stand up and sit there and say, no, all life is important and it doesn't matter age, birth status, socioeconomics, race, gender, life is life and God values life because all life is created in his image and likeness. Um, and I think at that moment, that's when we can start to really be seeking his face in that. So I I do believe that's like the number one issue that God would care about. If you can categorize the issues because it all kind of starts from there. But I, I mean, again, I come down to the character because I know that there's going to be new ways. So I want somebody that's seeking God's face. I want somebody that's, that's willing to, to challenge their own thinking. And sit there and say, you know what? I might have got it wrong. And that's okay. As long as I try to get it right. And the only way to get it right is to go back to God. I, I, I also look at that. And when you look through society, when you look through that cycle of apostasy, when you look through um, the, the story of the prodigal son, I believe that 2020 is kind of a result of us chasing after our own ways, wanting to spend our spoils on our own. (laughs) And now we're wallowing around in the pig pen that we have created. And the only way to come out of that is repentance. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only way to turn away from what we've been doing and go back his way. So 
I think that's the only, you know, only option for us. Um, I always have hope. I know with God, all things are possible. So I do have hope for that. And to me, who's in that highest seat in this land of the presidential office doesn't matter as much as who's really the driving force behind it. Right. And every nation has to bow to Jesus and it will happen one way or another. You're either going to do it now or you're going to do it later. That's fascinating. It's just a fun thought for me. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump, with all of his bravado, will bend his knee before King Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe Biden, you know, with, with, with sanity and right mind, full thinking, full capacity, yep. will bend his knee before King Jesus. Kamala Harris, whatever, however you say her name, Senator Harris. Yep. All of them. Kanye West. Oh, kneeling before God and God looking at him and being like, so what did you say about you being God? (laughs) Jared Brown, full awareness, full understanding of who he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to give one practical, practical tip. We've talked about the theory, a lot of pastors and politics and what we believe. And I think we both believe that pastors should be engaged in politics and pastors should be sharing their viewpoint and the biblical viewpoint on politics. I think practically pastors need to clarify which is which. In other words, if you can't quote book chapter verse reference of what the Bible says about the character of an individual or the topics, the issues, then you need to clarify, this is my opinion. As a follower of Christ, I believe this. Based on, I can't point you to the book, chapter, verse, but based on the fact that I'm trying to live my life as a follower of Christ, and this is how I believe he's leading me. And if we would do more of that, there's a humility in that of just saying, this is my opinion. This is kind of where I'm at on this. This could be right. This could be wrong. I feel it's and, right, but it might not be. And Joshua, a remembrance as we go looking in through the scriptures of what is his opinion? Because exactly. I have a lot of them, but what is what does he say? Exactly. And, th- and that would be the other thing of sitting there and I've, and I've seen Christians do this. I know God believes this, but we have this issue at hand. And I can't find scripture directly related to this. So I'm going to try to pull out some principles and hopefully it applies. And again, even in that, I don't have a problem with that because they're at least trying and they're setting, they're saying there are these principles that God laid out. And I think they apply to this situation because of this. Now that would be the exegesis, eisegesis approach where we make it more about relevant from the current days and times rather than, and that's a whole nother debate too. But I think just having that a little bit of humility, I also think they just, they need to be firm with standing up and saying, I'm trying to do all of this for his kingdom. I'm trying to do it in pure obedience to God, but they also need to do it with care. It's the different, it's the speaking, the truth in love. And so when you come out dogmatic, this is it. And anybody who does not do exactly what I do is a rebellious heathen and they're going to burn in the lake of fire. If you do that, you're not going to make any progress. It's just not going to happen. You're essentially the political version of an evangelist that's on a street corner shouting with his mega horn, you know, repent. His, ma- his mega horn? Mega horn. Yeah, there you go. 
well no. played on that one. Um, I mean, you, you got a good point there, but I would also throw in there that uh, don't be afraid to be the guy on the street corner who's perceived that way because what what you're saying is true. Yes, amen. There, there, there is a way that we treat our brothers and sisters. There's a way that we treat humanity that's different and set apart from others. But at the same time, you're probably veiled. You're probably going to come across as if, for instance, I'm thinking through uh, being the Texan with with right. the viewpoint that I have from here. I probably sound incredibly religious and narrow-minded and like one issue, two issue base kind of a – and I don't really care, <laughs> you, you know? Correct. And, but whereas that's not necessarily the truth about me as a whole. I'm probably correct. one of the most liberal folks in my community as far as faith and grace and that sort of deal. Yep. I, I'm, I, but it's, it's weird that in perspective with other folks, don't be afraid yeah. to say what needs to be said what you're what you're feeling the lord you know prompting you to say let me caveat that what you feel the lord uh wants you to say with boldness from yeah. a megahorn if you have to yeah. i mean megahorn yeah and and i like, i do think there needs like, to be the evangelist aspect where we need to be promoting god's word and uh god's voice as much as possible we are called to be the body of Christ, which means we need to speak for God in every area of this world. Yes, even the political sphere. We should be speaking as God would speak in that. I also think that we just need to approach things the way that God would approach them. Not just, yeah. oh, You're God would say this. Yeah. How would God say that? Because if you often look at what Jesus did, Jesus wasn't shouting as much as Jesus was stooping. He was, he was making whips. Well, I mean, he did that. He did make whips. He did make whips and he did crack them by all means. Um, and I have made whips and cracked them inside Republican Party <laughs> no. to the point that they have said. Well, what you're saying is there's a place and a time for those whips. Usually reserved for religious folks, but yeah, anyway, it, I guess. And, and that's the thing. It was like he was making the whips and cracking it to those that thought they were doing the right thing, but were in obvious obvious and public disobedience to God um, and really defying God in that. And that's when he used that. But for those that didn't know yet, they were still doing the wrong thing, but they didn't know he would get down. He would stoop on their level. He would approach them where they were at in a manner where he could speak into them in a grace filled way. And I think that's where a lot of us need to kind of take that approach and say, okay, is it going to be effective for me to sit there and tweet out anybody who votes for candidate X West is a ridiculous heathen and you might as well go to hell right now. You know, is that going to be a good approach? No, it's, you're not going to win anybody over. And quite frankly, you're often not going to win anybody over anyways. However, pastors have the ability and pastors have a trust factor that comes with them, especially to their own congregations of being able to speak in such a way that it's softening up their hearts and it gets them to think about what is God doing? I, I, I guarantee in my church, I'm, I don't know, there may have been a couple of us that voted for Kanye West. That's about it. I, I've had people in our church that were staunch all all their life Democrats and they came to me and they said, Hey, I know you're really involved in this. I've always voted this way. I don't know what to do. And then I can sit there and say, okay, why did you vote that way? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because my parents always voted that way. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you want to follow God's ways or your parents' ways? Let's start with that. Okay. You want to follow God's ways? Start asking God what he thinks about these issues. Right. Just go down the ballot. Just seriously, go down, look at it, all the candidates that are out there and say, okay, this issue, this issue, this issue, and ask yourself, what do, what do I think God values most? Or what has God clearly spoken that God values most? If you can't find that, maybe you should look at what does God hate the most? Proverbs <laughs> gives you a few options. And oh, then man. you can, which hands that shed innocent blood for those that didn't know. Um, and that would be something that you can look at that and you can start to get an idea of what God values, where he comes down on the issues. If it's a character driven and people have asked me, why do you vote for character rather than, you know, issues? Well, cause Exodus eighteen twenty one says we're to select capable men such as fear God, tell the truth and hate dishonest gain. Second Samuel 23, three says that we're to, uh, or those who rule should rule in the fear of the Lord. To me, that's a character issue. It's about those who have that heart. That's why I come down on that. Those that use other issues, I get it. I understand why they do it. And I have no problem with that. I can't tell them vote according to these scriptures that I use for character when they're voting and issues and vice versa. They can't tell me vote on these scriptures that are about issues when God has kind of held me to voting for character. The only way you find common ground in that is to really just have those conversations about why are you voting that way? And then if I find somebody that is voting character driven versus issue driven, oh, I can speak to the character and I can say, okay, when you come to character, here's how I'm doing it. Here's the scriptures. Here's the path. And that really helps to soften that. When it's issues, you can do that. That would be my practical advice. Ask questions, know where they're at and just season everything with an extra dose of grace. So, Practically speaking, that applies to Facebook as well. What do you what do you think about all the the? Um, I've seen a bunch of Christians say that they're being censored. Um, what do you make of all that? I, I would say a bunch of Christians who say they're being censored are a bunch of Christians that are really just spreading misinformation, or they are actually posting so much that what they've done is now flagged themselves as spammers. So you don't, you don't think there's any reality to the censorship of no. whatever? Nope. I, I think it is essentially people that have not read or even thought about the terms of service out right. there. I, I've thought about that a couple of times. I'm like, what are you doing? And because they, I oh, I know the these people. To begin with. I know these people. I've had them as church members in the past. I know the people that are getting flagged and I'm like, no, I I've seen what you do. You're bringing this on yourself because I'm posting the exact same stuff that you're posting, but YouTube or Facebook's never flagged me. Twitter's never flagged me. YouTube's never flagged me. And quite frankly, sometimes I'm even more vocal about it and more dogmatic about it, but the way I approach it. Right. And it's because I'm, I'm not. I'm just not going to keep shouting the same thing over and over and over again, hoping that somebody will hear me. No, well, I'm going well, to. Well, there is, there is an argument. I, I can see, I, I can see where. By over and over and over again, I mean like, you know, 30 different posts in the last two hours because, oh, Facebook's censoring me. And if I just post more, all of a sudden they're going to see, no, actually you've just made yourself more of a target for spam. But I, I spam. Yeah. Spam is a thing, but 
you say you had 30 legitimate pieces of content and you put them out there. Correct. <sighs> Come on, man. I'm, I mean, any I'm spam is when you're posting the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And that's what they're doing. I've posted 30 plus times in a day on Facebook, on Twitter, all of it. Well, I am flagged. seeing I am seeing some folks who are being censored. At, they're posting original pieces of content, but they're being flagged because uh, they're they don't have mask in the places that they don't have mask. At least so they say, uh, or they're doing things that are counter to um, counter to what the, uh, the administration has put out as far as good yeah. terms or public health, that sort of thing. Um, and what there are a lot of that? people because that are actually getting flagged in their post hidden because they're linking external websites. And one of the simplest things, you're linking an external website that doesn't have a secure site. Hmm. And because it's so not it's a secure site, it's open and privy to spam. And that's why they block it. I see so, that over and over. I see that on Facebook groups that have nothing to do with politics and people are like, why does, why does my post get flagged? Why does it get shut down? Why are people having a hard time opening this link? Facebook must be blocking me. No, you just posted an unsecure site. Yeah. No, I, I think that's very practical for, for those of us who are small and we have like, you know, 30 or 60 people following us or even, yeah. even a couple of thousand, but some of those bigger guys who are in, uh, you know, the hundreds of thousands of, of reach on people who are having yep. some of their things taken down. Uh, I can see where that would be a little frustrating. Well, and and it, a lot of them, it even has less to do with what they're doing, but what their audience is doing. It's the yeah. same thing that YouTube has run into with comments where they will just ban all comments and shut your comments down because you have abuse in it. And unfortunately, and it's not even perpetuated by the person who posts it. Correct. Yeah. And unfortunately, Facebook as good as they are, they fail in a lot of those areas. They haven't figured out what the Google behemoth has figured out. Google can keep things going through YouTube because they know, Hey, we've got this ability where you can hold potentially inappropriate comments, which means if we think it has something inappropriate, we're going to just set it over here and let you decide whether or not it's appropriate or not. Right. Thank and, you for showing that to me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most depressing piece of information I've gotten in two years. Yep. Like, and, oh, wait, people actually were talking terribly about me. Thank you for showing that, Joshua. I, Show I love those sections. <laughs> that and then the, the likely spam. Although somehow I've missed the likely spam. It's now disabled on mine. Um, mine is just now held. Sub for sub, published. baby. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff like that. So, but no, as far as Facebook trying to censor Christians, Facebook has a whole wing, like a whole department inside of Facebook that is this department based on religion. It's to help churches and nonprofits really use their system for what they're trying to do. And, and Facebook will link people where you can donate through Facebook to churches and nonprofits. So if they were trying to censor, why would they be doing that? And why would they be promoting it and trying to put it out there? Why would they be creating all of these extra pieces to help benefit churches? I don't know. I'm not saying that they are. I don't know. It's a good, healthy conversation. But if there's they definitely are, conspiracy theories out there that say that oh, there for sure. is a silencing sure. up there. And some best practices for us is to not link external links that are that are questionable, yep. uh, to not spam people with, with the same content over and over and over again, yep. uh, to make sure you try it as much as possible, keep things clean and positive inside of the comments. Absolutely. Uh, th those types of things are real practical steps that we could take. And I will... End it by saying, if Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, is uh, is diminishing freedom of speech, by golly, we need to find out about it and burn it down. 
<laughs> well, I think there's always going to be an element of any private company limiting what you can say because it, it is their business that's on the line, sure, not your it. freedom. Um, and, and that's just the case of if you don't like what Facebook is doing, if, if like you feel confident, I want to use Facebook this way and Facebook won't let me go find another platform. You're in their playground, go somewhere else. Well, there's nothing like that. Well, then guess what? You're going to have to play by their rules because it's their playground. To me, it's, it's really as simple as that. This nation has freedom of speech. Facebook doesn't. YouTube doesn't. Twitter doesn't. It's just clever that, I mean, and at the same time, my church doesn't, you want to come in my church and try to use some questionable language. Oh, guess what? We're going to find <laughs> out. We're going to find some cracking of bullwhips really fast. I know how to grab you by the belt loop and throw you outside the door. So it's like the nation does, but individual organizations, privately owned companies, they don't. It's the same thing. Like you come to my house and you want to start insulting me, my wife and kids. <laughs> no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to show you the door really fast. And that's, I think the, the thing that oftentimes we as Christians, because we operate with such liberty in Christ, we have such freedom in Christ that then we think that translates to everything out there. And it's like, it really kind of doesn't. I mean, even the apostles faced this when they would go into nations and they would try to use the freedom that Christ had given them in that country. You know, they wound up in jail. Some of them got beheaded because of it. And so you've got to realize that there is going to be the opposition and there's going to be some of that persecution out there. Some intentional, some unintentional. It's just the way the world is. Yeah. Um, and I think just us being aware of that, I think helps. I also think it helps us not to over spiritualize certain things because some of it's yeah. just the natural order of things. I don't know anyone who is more overtly Christian than we are on social media. I mean, maybe there are people who are more, but at le least we're, we're up there. Yeah. We're, we haven't hidden our faith at all. And I have not been limited as of yet. Then again, it may be an audience thing. I, I think we're swinging at a bunch of boogeymen, but just in case we need a boogeyman to chase, uh, <laughs> right. You gave a bunch of helpful tips, yep. man. All right. Hey, I want to get to some of these comments. We had a lot of them. We were running through this thing. And, uh, also I, and I just want to shout out people that were in the comments as well. So we had, uh, uh, one of the, the first ones I was sitting here looking, mom was in the chat, um, Debs. telling me to Debs. get off my phone and focus. Um, so there was definitely that, um, <laughs> Diana was also in here. There was some good ones from Diana and I'm going to kind of go back and find some of these that she did. Um, man, you guys were, were chatting it up today. Yeah. Diana was saying the problem is everybody else is talking about political issues and the church shies away from it. Uh, yeah. so very true. Um, she was also surprised just as you were that I voted for Kanye. Um, and she's like, I respect your why though. So that, that's the thing. It's like, the end conclusion, not everybody's going to draw that because I'm working off of a different equation than other people. Um, so there's that, uh, Sonic, Sonic grace in here as well. I loved that. Um, he said, our founding fathers of this nation understood that we are the kingdom. Um, absolutely 100%. And yes, this is a government of, and by the people. 
Um, definitely do that. Uh, Manfred Maxima saying hello from Europe, and I believe had a yep. a good question here, if I could remember. Um, one at, uh, kind of addressing Diana saying, in the USA, you have only two parties. Not true. Uh, Not true. We've got dozens and dozens of parties, and each different, I mean... Each different state, they have different qualifications as to who can be on a ballot. Like here in Kanye Iowa, wasn't on mine. Here in Iowa, we had um, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Constitutional Party, the Green Party, um, and then Libertarian Party. A couple other parties that I don't know their abbreviations for, and then we had some that were independent, unlisted, and they were on there as well. Um, so there's there's a gambit of there. I think there was I've, probably on ours. There were probably nine. Yeah, candidates' names. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, apparently, Dean is letting me know I wasn't the only one in Tennessee. Kanye got ten thousand votes. Um, so, there. hey, there we go. <laughs> there was that, which was funny because I I had posted this the other day on I don't know Facebook, Instagram, one of the two, and it was like I think it was Facebook, and I was like uh, a gift party where basically show me the gif of your reaction if the candidate you voted for loses. And of course I'm laughing at all of these because I mean, as soon as I cast my ballot, I already knew the candidate I voted for was going to lose. I went in knowing there's no way he's going to win. So I wasn't voting based on the outcome as much as just the obedience to the process and what I was trying to do. Um, anyways, um, John Hayes, I'm listening to this right now, about five minutes behind, um, Mr. West as well. Mr. West, as Jared has been told before. <laughs> um, okay, Jared's video where he had the opportunity showed me something when considering him to, or, or considering him to, though. Um, Jared, that was an experience, man. Yeah, yeah. That that opened my eyes to Mr. Kanye. I had no expectations. Last I had heard from him, he was God. Yep. <laughs> and he had uh, he looked like a Q-tip. He had that his hair all dyed white. It, it yep. just, it was, uh, it was eye opening. Whoever, what's it called? Sunday service. I think that's yeah. the name of his choir. The guy who sings alongside of him, you can feel the connection and man, you just a humility that I hadn't seen from him. That was a fun video to make. It was even better to be a part of yep. just the purity in which he walked out there and, and it was all for, for God in that particular service. I, that's the thing with Kanye. You don't know where he's going in 10 minutes, but this at is that particular time. It was amazing. This is true. And it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day that if you really want to know, like if you want to know the state of America, it's Donald Trump. Um, where you're not quite sure what he's going to say at any given point of time. And he gets very angry about certain things and just calls it out and doesn't think about the repercussions of it. If you want to know the state of the church today, it's Kanye West. One moment seems like he's following Christ. Next moment doesn't seem like he's following Christ. Definitely <laughs> now, a lot of he's immaturity. Now transcended. In there. He's become God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's definitely some stuff in there. Um, I'm, I'm looking through some of these. I'm just going to go down in order as we got here. Um, where was it? It was, uh, 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 um, I want to say it was another one from Sonic. Oh no, here it was. Um, Logan, Logan in the house saying, can we watch tenant again? Yes, we can. Son of mine. It's going to happen. Um, it's good stuff. 
Sonic asking, where did you find the Aussie announcer? Actually, not Aussie. It's British. Um, and I found her on Fiverr. Uh, I want to say British Voice Pro is what you want to search for on Fiverr. Her name is Keely. Um, and she does an amazing job. I love her so much. And you keep going back and using her. Fiverr's a great place to find any of that stuff that you need. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Hayes talking about our intro. He thought we were watching Groundhog Day for a minute there. It just kept <laughs> replaying over and over and over again. <laughs> that was awesome. Henry in the house saying, okay, take two, take three, take four. <laughs> Shadow family vlogs. Perfect timing. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it was all perfect timing for that. Uh, let's look here. Um, Diana saying, that's what I don't like about the parties, uh, using the party system here. I believe that some issues should be general agreement. I agree. I agree with that, that we should be in general agreement. It doesn't happen, but it should be, um, Diana saying that being understood living in the USA, but there are others, but some issues should be accepted as universal issues that matter. 100% agree. Um, yeah, I wonder there should be universal, especially for the body of Christ. There should be universal ones that it doesn't matter what country I live in. doesn't matter what political affiliation I have. doesn't matter what church I attend. These are the issues that matter to God and they matter to me because they matter to God. Don't you think, Jared? Maybe I lost Jared. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, battery. <laughs> okay. Diana saying, uh, what I want to know is why Iowa had oval shapes and Missouri had these horrible rectangles to shade in. Um, one, I pronounced it wrong. It's not Missouri. It's Missouri. Um, and two, it's because it's Missouri. Uh, <laughs> Dean, I agree. For me, when I looked at the word, I don't see politics. I see ethics. I think Isaiah 117 is the key for how we view those ethics. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed. Well stated. Uh, love it. Diana was loving this conversation. Um, John Hayes saying, I had the opportunity to talk with Rafael Cruz, Ted's dad. Uh, Ted was raised around him and there are so many things Ted gleaned from his dad. It was great to hear. You know, the only person that I have ever met uh, that can quote more constitution than Newt Gingrich was Ted Cruz. And what impressed me even more was Ted Cruz can quote as much Bible as he can constitution, maybe even more. Um, so it was, it was quite impressive there. Uh, and I, and I let him know that we actually had uh, back four years ago, we had his dad who is an ordained minister, Rafael Cruz had him come to our church and actually preach one night. So, uh, that was a good one. Um, Diana having an intelligent conversation versus having a screaming match. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, Dean saying, talking about character is hard. It's hard to trust somebody with the ethics of the country when they are unethical themselves. Agreed. Uh, Vaughn Sanders. Ooh, Vaughn, by the way, go check out Vaughn's channel. He had a great, uh, video. I want to say yesterday morning, and he was kind of talking about the life issue. Uh, and that Psalms, what is it? 139, 19, where we are formed. Um, God formed us in our inward parts in our mother's womb. Great message. Uh, so definitely go check that out. He's saying none of us will grow until we're willing to have civil conversations. We don't have to agree, but we should at least 
seek to understand. Yes. And if we look at the family unit and the family dynamic as being kind of a model for all of humanity and all of life, especially the body of Christ, which we should see it that way because God actually talks about that through the apostle Paul in Ephesians, how, um, the marriage of the bride and the groom is like Christ in the church. If we understand that, we can also then take one of the other things that the apostle Paul tells us as husbands to live with our wives in an understanding way, which means we should try to understand may never be possible, but we should at least seek the understandment. Uh, understandment. That sounded weird. Anyways, John 2020 in a nutshell has brought so many believers to the point that they realize they need to make a decision on what is important to them. No more sitting on the fence. Yeah. Which that very well could be why there's such turnout voter turnout out there. Um, yeah. Uh, Diana is saying that divas has been the great thing where Jared was calling everybody a bunch of divas. Loved it. Uh, Jared, I think your mic is muted. Um, great. I've been talking to you. I've been hamming it up over here. <laughs> I blacked out for a minute. And Diana. then your, your mic goes down. Um, yep. And then let's see. Uh, Diana la- laugh out loud flagged. For the approach, for sure. Facebook jail is real. Yes, Facebook jail is real. Absolutely. Uh, She's also saying there are tons of tools for the church on Facebook. And there is the Jason Mayfield here in the last moments. Squeaked it in there. Glad to have you in here. Ooh. um, Okay. I'm glad glad you didn't hear our example that we made of him earlier. Here is a a comment from Manfred Maximus. What is socialism for an American? The Antichrist. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> Stand with that. <laughs> Come at me. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, no, I mean, I, go ahead. I, make it make it politically correct. Go ahead. I, I, Do your thing. I wouldn't have went oh, that route, um, but that is. I mean, it's essentially the socialism to me is socialism looks to be, it can be used as a, a Christian concept, the distribution of wealth, basically take whatever you have, sell it, and then make sure that all of you have plenty. The concept behind there could work from a church perspective, but the problem is socialism in and of itself is a political aspect. And again, it violates Romans 13, how government and how church is supposed to operate. The church should be operating kind of with a socialist mindset, trying to help out and do the good. The government should not. So it then becomes an anti-Christian format. It's operating in a unbiblical way. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I would say socialism takes what the church supernaturally can do through the Spirit of God. Yeah, and tries to put that in man's hands. Is that what do we got right there? Floating coffee hand. Ah! <laughs> what do we got? 
that That's Superman. Uh, that one is DC. Yeah, you got Green Lantern and um, Wonder, Wonder Woman and Superman. Batman. And a Flash. Yep. I got you. What, uh, what it is is basically it's taking something that is reserved for the church and putting it in, to use the illustration from earlier, putting it in Cain's hands. Yeah. Uh, taking Seth's responsibility and putting it into Cain's hands. And that would be uh, that would be horrific. I mean, every time it proves itself over and over and over. Whenever you come up, when mankind comes up with a um, utopian scenario that they want to constrain everybody into, because I want to... I want to give more to the poor. I want to take care of widows and orphans. I want to do all that in a human sense, and I'm going to need your money to do that because I need resources. I need your farm. I'm going to need your food. I'm going to need your cows. I'm going to need your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you start collecting that from people. I don't know where we're going to distribute it fairly. It chokes things out whenever it could be done supernaturally by the church. So Correct. anytime socialism comes up, I'm like, Meh. Yeah, and, and I mean, the concept, the theory of it. Oh, it sounds great. I mean, the, the theory of redistributing the wealth to help out the poor, the needy, the disenfranchised, that is very much a Christ-like principle. But the one thing that socialism does is it completely rejects free will. And it then legislates and enforces Legislates that. morality. It and, legislates. And, and that's, where it's, that's where it's a problem. It's essentially saying that any of the wealth is the wealth is to be controlled by those who are working rather than the one who actually earns it. And, and it keeps overstepping each bound. So yeah. like if you think about, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, but there was a period of time uh, where China, one of the leaders in socialism, it crept, it crept into their family to where they're only allowed to have a certain number of children. Correct. You say, oh, well, that's a good thing for population control. Wait until that goes into your family and you're not allowed to have – say you're only allowed to have two and you have four kids. That means two of your four kids don't exist. Come on. It gets weird. Yeah. It gets yeah. really weird. Yep. The, um, and that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of it is when we look at the where the United States of America is, um, it's not a pure democracy. It is a representative republic. It's meant to be – representatives of the people of the society, which are kind of leading it. But underneath that as the core foundation is law. And that law, as the constitution say is the laws of nature and of nature gods. And so ultimately it's saying God and nature, which is gods has already laid out what this foundational law is. And we, even though we as the representatives, as the Republic want to go against that, we can't ever go against that because the law is the ultimate decider and arbitrator of that. So that's where it's a completely different, um, form of government than is anywhere else out there in the world. Um, I also, people will sit there and say, oh, well, we're as Christians, we want a theocracy. No, we don't want a theocracy. We've actually read the Bible and we see what happens when theocracies run. (laughs) And quite frankly, America tried to run away from a theocracy. However, I could then make the argument that all forms of government are a theocracy. It just depends on who your theo is. 
You want leaven in there for sure, and you want to have yeah. as much representation of that true leaven as you can. But it's just like socialism. If you tried to make a th- uh, your version of your understanding yeah. of God manifested here on the earth, it gets crazy. He's going to do that himself. Yeah, we get weird, start chopping people's heads off. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, a couple more comments, and then let's get out of here. Um, Jared gets the comment of the day. What do I got? No. John says you get the comment of the day that socialism is the antichrist. You broke the broke me. <laughs> Diana says Jared yes. broke Josh. It wins. Um, I'm not wrong, man. I'm, I'm sitting over here. I'm, no. I'm actively suppressing the Yosemite Sam wild Texan inside of me that wants to pull out my guns and start shooting around going, oh, free them, baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Yep. Because freedom, that's why. And I sometimes I try to be too seasoned with grace because the natural man of me wants to come out and uh, say that calling it the antichrist was too nice. Um, Fair enough. And I, I, I yeah, it doesn't go, it doesn't I'm go just, well over here. No. Uh, Henry saying he cannot relate to the DC mug because we're a Marvel family over there. I, I love Marvel. I've got more Marvel mugs than I do do DC. I didn't choose this. Somebody else brought it to me, but I still think that Batman is the greatest superhero out there. Disagree, but uh, he's up there. I mean, the next closest one would be Iron Man, and all Iron Man is a cheap Batman ripoff. He's up there. <laughs> You're going to go with Thor. Oh, yeah. The God of Thunder. Uh, well, there, there's a reason. I, I, I just like these kind. So in DC, they're just piddling around yeah. until Superman shows up. They're really just piddling, and they demonstrated that in Justice League. I, I know there's all different things in comics, and we could chase the rabbits, but at least to date, what they've made cinematically, we're all just biding time until the man shows up. And then same with Thor. We're really just kicking the can down the road until he shows up with his giant Stormbreaker, whatever the name of that thing is. Yeah, baby. Sorry. It's true. It's true. Get up right there for a second. All right, and then finally... TJ Lee, generosity, like love, must always be a choice. Legislating generosity will always be problematic. Ba-boom. Yes, and amen. And with that, we're bidding you adieu. Until next week, stay blessed. Enjoy God's best. Have a fantastic week, y'all.